In the meantime, the Versace show looks really good from the commercials. It looks very stylized, so I'm like sort of getting convinced yeah. to watch it. I don't know. Are you gonna watch it? There was a couple. There was a couple previews tonight. I was like on the fence, but there was a couple previews tonight that got me kind of into interested it. in Penelope it. Penelope Cruz yeah. looks like she's gonna be really good at Donatella Versace. She does. Did you watch the O.J. Simpson one? I did. I did not. I did not either. And it's on my like it's in my Netflix queue to watch yeah. it. I just haven't watched it. Sarah watched it and she loved it. I know. I feel like we're we were like. Yeah. I want to cut this out so people don't know that we haven't seen it because it was really good. It won like a lot of Emmys. I mean, the thing these days is you only have so much time to ration to TV shows, and I think for me, for whatever reason, in general, true crime is not my natural tendency to go watch a true crime show. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm more interested. Like, I will gravitate more toward, you know, original storytelling and plots like American Horror Story like Westworld like entertain um, me with something new yeah or if it's like a throwback like a you know like the Americans where it's like a or, or the Stranger Things where it's like a new story in a nostalgic time right. you know uh, I guess we should start I suppose we should begin it's it's hard deep breath Season 7. The finale. Here we go. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host... Chris Houston, what up, party people? Seven seasons. Seven seasons have come and gone. Seven different American Horror Story themes. Six years of Tyler and Chris. Six years of us. We did not start with Murder House. We started on Asylum, but we Mm -hmm. both watched season one and talk about that quite a bit still. Uh, In this episode, we will not only discuss episode 11, Great Again, but we will give a full season review. We'll put it in the context of other seasons. I have all sorts of exciting and interesting things to ask you. Uh, before we begin, quick housekeeping. As always, even in the off-season, you can check us out at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. We have loved how much you guys have kept the conversation going. We do respond to you there. Uh, we want to keep, you know, we will continue to post new articles about things that, you know, news that arises in the American Horror Story universe. Um, Chris and I do plan on doing some fun stuff in the offseason. Normally, we just go dark for a whole year because we get involved in other things, but we have committed to each other that we're going to do some bonus episodes uh, on, on different fun, whether it be a horror movie or we might not do another entire TV show, but we might do like a, you know, sit down and talk about, you know, what we thought of something we binged all at once. So look forward to that. And as always, you can check us out at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. Uh, continue the conversation let us know how you felt about this finale all that good stuff and you know it is the end of the season so rate us and review us that's um you know we really appreciate it how do we do this season let us know yeah for better or for worse mostly hopefully for better (laughs) hopefully for better i mean after six seasons i would hope we've gotten a little bit better a little 
Okay, so before we talk about Great Again, which was directed by Jennifer Lynch and written by Tim Minier, which I thought was interesting because normally I'm pretty sure they have Ryan Murphy and Brad Felchuk write the finale. Which they actually wrote the penultimate episode this uh, this season, which was right, which we didn't one like of the worst episodes. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's. I mean, they wrote I think the the season pilot or two. Yeah, yeah, or not the pilot, so, but the yeah premiere. premiere. Yeah. So I want to first talk about what going into this, what needed to be achieved in this final episode for you to for this to be a successful season. Well, to be successful, oh, I want you sorry, to tell me what I ask me what I'm drinking first. That's what I was about to say. Is I, I'm I'm getting ahead of <laughs> you're just so putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm actually so I wanted to have a um, bourbon and a cider for this finale, but I forgot that I took my <laughs> as you rub yours in my face. Um, I took my bottle of Four Roses to Chicago with me for the weekend and drank it in the hotel with all my radio friends uh, and came back and forgot to replenish that uh, stock. So I dug into the fridge and have been drinking leftover Oktoberfest beers um, that we had for a pumpkin carving party right before Halloween. What are you hey, drinking? It's still fall, so, you know. It is. It's, it's still fe- it's seasonally festive. It. You know what I'm drinking. I've got a yeah. cold bourbon and cider here. That's a cloudy rock cider too. That's nice. Straight. It is a cloudy local cider. As cloudy as my mood Heart. after uh, being finished with an entire season and having to wait a whole another year for for a new one. Um, let's let's okay. So let's revisit this question. What did I? What did I need to happen? Exactly, because I have a. I had some very clear criteria in my mind and i want to hear i i think i'm sure you did too so i want to hear kind of what you thought needed to be achieved i it doesn't need to be that specific it could be like impressions right i absolutely needed resolution and i didn't care how that happened but i needed to have resolution in the ali kai relationship and whatever that was we knew kai was probably going to go down because we saw the previews of um from last week uh, what was going to happen this week and we saw that he was in prison (coughs) but along those lines i needed to see some type of resolution between them and I mean, the best way to do that is someone be dead. I knew Allie, Kai, Beverly. Um, I mean, they're the only three main people we had left, right? So Oz, some of, someone's yeah. going to die. I'll, mm-hmm. um, so I needed someone to die. <laughs> um, but I also kind of wanted to know, um, for me, for this to be a successful episode, who has sided with whom uh, to make things happen? You know, how, are the, how did things shake out? I don't. I didn't want, like some question marks around like you know who's really playing who anymore because i've had enough of that this season no more unreliable narrator you wanted clarity uh and even when we get anyway but yeah so that's what i needed what did you need i i agree with a lot of the things you said um but i i feel like the other thing i i wanted or or i felt like i wanted was a surprise of some kind because I felt like it was, we kind of had a feeling where things were going. We knew who was left. I felt like I needed a uh, some something unexpected, and I wasn't sure what that was, to happen in a delightful way that would make me feel, you know, would make me look back on the whole season and feel like it was coming to this specific point. 
Um, and I don't want to answer those quite. I don't want to answer whether or not that cri- those criteria or criterion on um, both of our sides were fulfilled until the end. But okay. I wanted to lay that out before we we dive into the episode. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. That's what you were looking for. So we start with the time jump, which we had predicted. predicted called a it. Time I wrote jump. that down. <laughs> Eleven months forward, um, we're pinky powering in the prison. Oh Lord, I'm so sick of the pinky power. After all this time, I still feel like pinky power is super dopey. I don't understand how people just do it. Well, I mean, it's his charisma, right? That's it's the thing he he gets them to open up and connect their souls, as we've seen with all the different you know characters who have come and gone in this season. Um, I don't know. I think maybe something about it feels so childish, like a pinky promise, that it takes away from and it takes away kind of from the sinister aspect that it's kind of supposed to feel but maybe i don't know maybe that's like the dichotomy that they're going for is like this childish childish act is is, yeah yeah is also like has these really sinister connotations um you know we we skipped this how how kai got here and so the big reveal isn't that he in this episode is not supposed to be that he ended up in prison it's kind of how he got here, and then a little bit of what happens next. Um, time jumps are something we've seen done in the past in American Horror Story. How did you feel? Were you were you pleased in general with the idea of a time jump versus you know? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a standard. They could have told it in a chronological way, you know, picked up where we left off, um, and had you know after Winter's death, and have kind of the rest of you know the cold open or it, it would just be a different cold open you know it's fine to jump to, to to go to the future and then jump back it's a total device used in lots of storytelling and tv shows uh and it and you know there's a reason it's 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 fun it's different and you know you know where someone's at and then we jump back and we kind of see how they got there but i feel like that mystery wasn't too big of a mystery to want to use this device with um, meaning like we knew it was either going to be, um, speed wagon or, um, alley maybe cause Beverly was broken. <laughs> um, so how he got came down was, it'd have to be one of the characters who we saw in the end of the previous episode. So I don't know if it right. warranted to do this jump around time thing. Was it fine? Did, was it, did it work? Sure. It was fine. I didn't have a major problem with it. Did you? I didn't have any major problem with that. You know, I feel like it, to some degree it was necessary because we needed to get further along the campaign timeline to That's true. the yeah, election right. with the incumbent senator. Because we started in 2016 we just and we needed to get closer to, to 2018. Right, right, exactly. At least have an idea of like where we're going by the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And so I think for, for timeline's sake, it made sense. Um, so a couple interesting things just from the prison in general. You know, obviously he's kind of building his army in the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Manson's still hanging around. I know. Uh, I mean, that's just and this, a, but, but this was but this was the only time he showed up in this episode. And was I think when it was only just to show that he's still nutty. You know, that's the only reason that he's still like on his tip. Even though we totally understand that because he's doing pinky promise with the prison guard, and um, and he's got a whole gang of people. And he's double cro- like people are double crossing people left and right, and having to, he's having to kill people. I know we, we he slaughters it. the guys a martyr. Yeah, we didn't need Chuck to show up again, right? 
Um, he, you know, we, we find out he's been there 11 months. He's kind of amassed this crew. And it's clear in one way or another that he's not going to stay in the prison. So that you kind of have that hanging over the episode is like, how's he going to get out? What's going to happen? What's he going to do? Uh, we get then the flashback to how all this came about. Uh, a couple things of note here. I, you, you see at the beginning that Allie is, I think, administering Kai's Adderall prescription. Yep. Which I think could be seen as an explanation of her giving him over, or, you know, helping to feed his overdosing, which could be what fed his paranoia in exactly. the past yep. episodes. Agreed. So there's a little bit of, exp- you know, we're tying up loose ends here, and it's good to see that happen because it's not always right. a guarantee. <laughs> Uh, they, you know, they decide that the a thousand, night of a thousand tates isn't going to work, but they're going to limit it to a hundred. Night of a hundred tates. Um, <laughs> night of a hundred tates. I mean, this seems pretty graphic when he's like, they have like the, you know, anatomy models up on the top table and they're stabbing the watermelons. I agree. I love how it begins though with, um, Kai pulling the whole like Oprah audience, everyone look under your seat. And you'll that find true, yeah. you'll find a list that Allie's provided for you of pregnant women, <laughs> um, and yeah, and then this demonstration that he does on how to properly murder a pregnant woman and the child. I was like, this is dark. I got this. Well, is- and, and while being dark though, it still has like this little like this whimsical feel to it of like some you know. There's like a little bit of touch of humor and a touch of satire to it, right? Too. And then when they practice on a watermelon, it's kind of like, okay, like yes, this is gross, but this is just silly now, right? Well, and then you get a little bit of, if you think about the terms that Kai is kind of invoking when he gives his his speech up there, he talks about he uses the term collective rage, which that sounds very familiar to what Bebe Babbitt was trying to inspire when she initially kind of tasked Kai with this entire project was built, you know, basically what it sounded like at this point is that Kai really was going to inflame female rage. That really was the goal he was going for. But, but with the objective of having them turn on the incumbent Senator and choose Kai instead, I guess, because he would defend them. I mean that was his that must that was essentially his goal, right? Was for them to feel like the senator isn't protecting, you know, people. That's kind of his, been his continued message. But he he's a better protector, right? And that's has been his whole deal about you know manipulating the fears of people to uh, want to have more social protections. You know, like the like the whole internet thing that he pushed in city council. Um, things like that so that yeah he he's he's stoking the fire of um people's fears and by murdering a hundred pregnant women that would absolutely freak everyone out totally um and of course beverly is still broken terrible plan like i don't know i don't know how you wouldn't get caught doing (laughs) this yeah i mean a hundred soldiers going out and murdering people like come on like or like yeah. 20 soldiers, everyone goes out and murders five women. They all have a list. Yeah, I mean, he would have had to come up with some boogeyman to blame it on. And I guess maybe it would have been immigrants. or Right, yeah, I, exactly. You know, he's... Basically, since kind of the beginning of this season, I don't know, I kind of feel like some of his more 
um, anti-immigrant, anti-outsider rhetoric has like evolved into being it, it evolved into being more anti-woman rhetoric kind of over time. It really has, especially by the end of this episode. Yeah, and it it I don't feel like it started as that originally. I mean, obviously he has all the women he, in he his gets women cult to join, initially. Yeah. Uh, another thing that is worth noting here is that, you know, Beverly is still broken and she's begging Allie to stab her. But Allie tells her that, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow night will be glorious. In retrospect, we can say, well, Allie was talking about the FBI bust. Mm-hmm. But at that, is that what you thought? She, I mean, did you think she was referring to the night of 100 Tates or did you think that she was referring to something else happening? I, she I, I thought she was referring to like the break free moment for them. Like I, I, I did because I like deep down we knew that Allie wasn't. I mean, yes, she's done some really shady things, but everything shady she's done has been either for revenge because of Ivy <laughs> or because of trying to set up Tate or not. Ta- oh, whoa. <laughs> <coughs> Not the and also not the night of a hundred Tates, but set up Kai, um, so he's in the perfect position, so she can really like pull the trigger or whatever it might be, and set off the trap or murder him or whatever her plan was. Yeah. So I never thought that the it other... was going to be about her, you know, promoting the murder of a hundred pregnant women, especially when I kind of was thinking figuratively. Figuratively, that's what Kai was kind of doing with her and Ozzy trying to like kill her child and her you know like so yeah no it was it was probably pretty clear she had some kind of scheme going on Mm -hmm. so Allie uses Speedwagon's wire to I guess manipulate well so I have a couple questions about Mm -hmm. this whole sequence we find out that Speedwagon was an informant, and he was supposed to be an informant on Samuels who, for being a dirty cop. He was not an FBI informant. He was a police informant, and he's, doesn't, he's not wearing a wire. He's just wearing a recorder to, I don't know, get Samuels talking about something dirty that he's doing, um, which was all fine. Why did Allie kill him? As soon as she asked interview? him, like, oh, so can you call for help right now? And he's like, no. And he's like, so is this, you know, is this signaling to them right now? Like, no. I was like, well, don't tell her that. She's going to kill you, dummy. And, of course, she does. You know, I, this is – I had some problems with this. I get, like, at the end of this episode, she tells us that she had um, – she w- would have a free pass Immunity. on anything. Yeah. But, you know – But not on Ivy, we don't not think. Not exactly. Ivy, like, she – and um, essentially, you know – um, being uh, an, an enabler of murder to Winter by framing her and then actually stabbing Speedwagon. It was kind of like... Uh, I had this and she also killed, she killed Bebe, too. Which we oh, yeah, forget. that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. God, I forget about her. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think she just... Because she had that... Um, what did... You know, uh, what's the word? Uh, immunity. Immunity, thank you. Uh, because she had immunity, she thought she could do all this stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really like it, but also she could have just talked to Speedwagon, but also Speedwagon was a drug dealer who was put there, you know, who knows if he would have flipped or not. Plus, it wasn't like she was in a situation where she had to earn Kai's trust even more. So I just found this to be a little, I don't know, unnecessary, but it was still fun. Whatever. It's American Horror Story, well, so people she- are going to die. Right, and well, she ends up framing Speedwagon as being the mole that 
Winter was supposed to be. And I guess she, I don't know if she's doing Winter a favor by redeeming Winter's good name or just using it as a device to kind of throw I think she's pushing Kai, Kai more into paranoia and, and like making him more sad that he killed his sister for no reason. And maybe more dependent on her because she's like, yeah, the only, is, yeah. she's the mother of his son, he thinks. Yeah, so I, I she's trying to she, she was just telling him that was innocent just to mess with his head and push him to like continue forward with this plan in in a more psychopathic or sociopathic way. Right. And so then the night of 100 Tates comes around and you know the guys get their their kill kits, you know, goodie bags. Their goodie, goodie bags, bags full of <laughs> full of chloroform guns and all this stuff. That no, I read um, down what's in there. I love this. Okay. Uh, so they have the K bar, which is the those big knives. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a change of clothes because they was soon, they're going to change into their clothes and they're going to bring their bloody clothes back, uh, and they're going to burn them in the victory bonfire that they're going to have, <laughs> which isn't very conspicuous. Um, they have chloroform and a rag mm-hmm. <laughs> for the people who go into the Lamas for the classes. classes. <laughs> and then they have the gun for the husbands. <laughs> right, you know, it's so funny. I thought that I like it. I do like it when American Horror Story goes into this like campy, silly like murder kits, kill kits. Right. Yeah. Anyway. And then they pass around the vitamin A, which so is the vitamin A Adderall? No, I don't think so. Because Adderalls, the pills were a different color. Yeah, these were like blue, weren't they? Yeah. So you think it was supposed to be like a stimulant, maybe of some kind? I don't know. I mean, mean, maybe it was actually vitamin A. Hmm. If anybody thinks they know what vitamin A is, I, I kind of imagined it as like, you know how like they the Nazis would take amphetamines to like, mm. so that's probably, that could be what it was. Vitamin A could have been an amphetamine of some kind of like get amped up to go kill people. Because then they all get like kind of hyper and chanting and shit, but they would have done that anyway. Maybe. That's and then not, we have that the makes F- more sense than taking an actual vitamin. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I feel like it, that kind of makes the most sense to me. I mean, um, I have blue pills, but it's for blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they were taking blood pressure. They need to give their blood pressure a row so they can kill the Lamaze moms. Um, the FBI does the raid. And so we, we end up getting later, you know, all this kind of background on how Allie was working with the FBI. Um, you know, this, uh, this, this, the raid felt kind of abrupt to me. I, I thought that, you know... I was kind of surprised that it all happened in the house before. Yeah, I anymore. It wasn't really was constructed well. I thought. I mean, what 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 made it kind of like too quick or un um, um, earned for you? Well, I just I think that I felt like this ep- this final episode was going to have like just more slaughter to it all around and it was and that would like up the level of drama and then if people were dying and then at least saves people but then she kind of manages to you know save all the people that would have died by taking out the entire bunker all at once um in in the fbi raid i i don't know you know she's just going to go get snacks and then the fbi van's just outside and I um, wonder why the trigger would be that meeting as opposed to the times they had talked about the thousand things. I, you know, I'm not. I'm unclear. Maybe they needed to catch them with the gun, like the guns Maybe. in hand or something. Also, but then that would also make it a lot more dangerous for the FBI to enter when they've all just been given guns. Does Kai's parents um, 
I, how, what kind of money were they getting? That they kept them around? Remember? Mm. Do they? Yeah, because it wouldn't have been in like if I think we said we didn't necessarily know if people were dead, so we don't know if it was insurance, right, or anything, or if they had a pension or something that they were getting. Anyway, but yeah, like, I don't know. It, I like well, the dad, had... the dad was injured on the job or something, right? So he would have had. Maybe it was a lawsuit. I, Maybe what, a pension. Yeah. I, anyway, whatever it is, it was a lot of money to buy all those guns and knives and stuff for people to be using. Yeah, I mean, he could have had people who, you know, followers who donated people. their lives, True. their fortunes or whatever. Sure, I'm getting picky get to here. that place. <laughs> On Okay, so we jump ahead again. And so we jump kind of back to... Also, did you think Beverly was going to survive that, that raid? I thought there was more to Beverly's story than her dying in the raid. Yeah, we. I thought maybe she was going to do some, some sort. I thought maybe she was going to do something more dramatic, like try to take a shot at Kai. Instead, she I just kills so too, yeah. one of the bros. Yeah. Um, and they walked out. But I guess like, that, you were right. I feel good, Allie. I just need. Well, that was the thing. It was like I think that like shooting somebody was her getting her groove back. Yeah. Kinda, right. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> that's a fantastic that would be movie such a Bassett, if, first of all <laughs> if angela bassett was directing this episode that would be a great reference that would have been a star great of reference. how stella got a group back i would have used that reference in many a no context. matter what <laughs> no matter what um but I, but really i mean i think that's when she you know she's been down and out You're, for all I this agree. and like you're right. Connecting with her dark side is like what re kind of ignited, you know, her sense of worth and herself and all that. Yeah, she needed to do um, that. So fast forward, Allie's still at. It looks like the same restaurant, right? That's the same I restaurant so, that her and yeah. Ivy own together. Uh, and maybe they have more business from other because she's a celebrity now. I mean, maybe you know they don't have Ivy in the kitchen; they have the new girlfriend. But um, you know they. We learn that Allie's a celebrity for escaping the cult. And we have Beverly kind of coming back to the restaurant and we kind of see them interacting after I love after this scene. This is a while. Two tour de force performances, I think, by both the actresses. This was good. And we have Beverly's basically pushing Allie to confess to killing Ivy. And Allie won't do it. And I'm wondering how you, what what did you think Beverly's motives were? What do you, th- I mean, what was Allie's calculus and not being honest with Beverly? What do you think was going on in these characters' heads here? I really liked this scene because with Beverly, I couldn't tell. I didn't know because Adina Porter is a great actress, but also the way she came out of the raid with this kind of like loopy, kind of crazy, like happy face, but like kind of off her rocker still a little bit. I have no idea. It's been a long time since that happened, and I have no idea where her allegiances lie. So mm-hmm. this whole dinner sequence reminded me of the Ivy Alley dinner sequence, even though no one was really preparing the food. Even so much so, though, that when um, Allie's new girlfriend shows up and she's like, this is my girlfriend for eight weeks and two days, I was like, girl, that is way too short, like... I, I, be, I wanted to know be introducing if, like, her to people and having her at your son's birthday. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I was like, also like, is Beverly like put her up to this? Is Beverly still working with Kai? I don't know. You know, she, yeah. cause mm-hmm. we, you know, we see her be kind of crazy when she leaves the, the raid, but I, I, I haven't seen her since. So I don't know if she's weathered the storm and found herself again or whatnot. But I thought, 
you know, every time like, I didn't completely trust her and she says she was waiting for the other shoe to drop and and Allie hasn't talked to her since and every time they poured some wine or when the food was on the house, I was like, ooh, something, something's going to go down here. It has to be. But um, there's been some good meal scenes where it yes, feels totally. there's so much tension. Did you this season? Yeah. And Allie, Allie, I think, was kind of just riding her high horse. I mean, she was smart not to take photos and stuff like that. I kind of, like, respected that in a way because also you were in a cult. You don't want a ton of attention. But Beverly, she shows up, and I don't know. I just didn't trust her. But I did. But I also was like, you know, at this point, I, you know, I, after Allie killed um, uh, Speedwagon, uh, I was like, all right, at this point, Allie deserves to die. Even if she's an informant, she's being ridiculous. Like, she's just killing people because she wants to because yeah. ha- she has immunity. Like, she doesn't deserve this. Uh, but anyway, did you think, did you trust Beverly or did you trust Allie or did you think that there was tension or was it fine? You know, I was, I agree with you where I was not entirely sure what Beverly's motives were in pushing this originally. And I think that is kind of, you know, clearly what Allie felt too, maybe initially, which is why she was defensive about it and stuck to her guns with the story. I do also think that Allie, after all this happened, you know, it's the same thing she, you know, said to that couple where she was like, you know, I am trying to get past all this. She now she knows she has that dark side, that fearless side, but that's like she's hiding that inside this shell of, you know, back to kind of her veneer of of what she was before. Um, And so she is ignoring that fact and and, and doesn't want to be forthright about it. Whereas on the other side, I think Beverly potentially in some of the ways that, you know, she finally gets to the point where she was like, you know, if someone betrayed me like that. I would go kind of go after them too. I don't know. You know, we later see, you know, in a couple scenes, Beverly is then running Allie's campaign. And maybe that's Beverly a little bit kind of vetting Allie to see like, you know, is, is this person, you know, I have this darkness to me that I also hide. Does, does Allie still have, is, was that like, you know, a specific element of just, you know, all the craziness surrounding Kai and the FBI giving her immunity or, you know, does she actually have this other darkness that, you know, she's still hiding the fact from the police and everything that she actually killed her wife just out of pure revenge. Right. So I think, I almost think Beverly was kind of hoping that was the case. Cause then she was like, okay, this, well, this girl this. I can relate. Exactly. So let's talk then about, <clears throat> you know, the impetus, I guess, for Allie running for Senate. Um, we have the birthday party. We have Oz kind of dressed like, a dorky newsy. Um, <laughs> I like this whole sequence. This was pretty good too. Rachel Maddow keeps calling. I loved it too. Um, and also, and we had the Easter egg, which Beverly says, "Well, if she turned down Lana Winter, she's not going to be on Rachel Maddow or whatever it was." Which she said, I thought was good. If if she turned out because her new girlfriend says like, like you know, what do you think? Would you and you know you should do it. Just do one of them. And yeah, and Beverly says. If she turned down Lana Winters, why would she talk to Rachel fucking Maddow? <laughs> and right. yes, that is our Easter egg. And I, we, I like anytime anyone comes out of anything, we're like, oh, Lana Winters. She's she's interviews. She's the Diane Sawyer, the um, the well Barbara Walters type of a person who is the person to go do your interview. The Oprah, even. I think Lana is now the most continuous thread between any. I agree. Between the entire American Horror Story universe, because now we've seen her in Asylum, we've seen her in Roanoke, 
and we've seen her or we've heard her name mm-hmm. in Colt. Um, so I can't think of any other character that has spanned universes. Like I mean, we've had now we've had Twisty appear in multiple universes, um, or appear in two American Horror Story universes. We had Pepper appear in two, uh, but I don't. I think three might be a new record. Lana Winter is still one of my favorite characters from my favorite season. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I also, so then, you know, we have the call with Kai, and he's received the genetic test that Oz is in his son. This is kind of the final fuck you to Kai that like, you so have is, nothing yeah. left. After and, Allie just had told the rest of the other ladies, like, I just want to be a soccer mom and a small business owner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, again, you know, Kai's intensity in this scene, Evan Peters' job, I feel like this was like, another scene where I was like, you know, reminding me of what a overall, I think a really good job Evan Peters has done this season mm-hmm. of like, yeah, the, the anger and, and stuff he brought to that, that phone call when he was pissed off at Allie. Um, clearly she's provoking him. Well, I think it's, she's provoking him to try to leave the prison and do something dramatic. And she, he, prov- I mean, from my understanding, he provoked. He's also provoking her to run for senator. Do you think she had this plan to run for senator all along, or was it this intera- like this I interaction? Because like think- up until this point, she's saying she's not doing any interviews whatsoever. Yeah, it all depends on when the timelines line up for when she turned that you know correctional officer uh, to her to a double agent. Yeah, I I like to think. Like and this what is this was the turning point in when I, in this episode where I was like all right I'm I'm in again I'm all in this is gonna be really fun when when oh my gosh I almost said Lana when um uh when Allie's Allie decided that she's gonna run for Senate as a big middle finger like I think it's just I I, lo- I loved it because I saw I saw it as just the spiteful like you know this is what you wanted I got you in jail and I'm going to go run for the office seat that you were want, that you wanted. I thought that was hilarious. I love that. I mean, right. And not only that, she's running on like using her experience with the cult as like a metaphor of for politics. Yeah. It, which was, like, was kind of clever. When, yeah. When she's talking about, you know, she's anti-establishment. She kind of talks about Republicans and Democrats being cults. I know. She wants to take know, down I know what it looks like when the few system. control the many. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but her poll numbers are still crappy because she's, Linked to Kai, she's a strong woman candidate that people kind of can't, don't feel like they can relate to. I don't, or you know, don't. Did, didn't they say that her poll numbers were low on strength? On strength, like they didn't, because they only I, see when they see like Kai's face was in her ads, and he's she's like pull the ads, and Beverly's like when they see your face, they still will see his face. Mm-hmm. And so they know something big is going to happen, or they need to do something big at this debate. I mean, and meanwhile, we see Kai escape from prison by, you know, mutilating the face of that drunk driver kid and having him get all the tattoos, including the smiley face tattoo. Yeah. Uh, important question here. So, again, did Allie and Beverly have planned that Kai was going to show up? Was this their strategy to win? Well, okay, let's go through what happens. Uh, obviously, you know... Um, Allie and Beverly learn Kai is dead, in quotations. But clearly they knew this was coming because well, they have Allie had turned the prison guard into a double agent, right. like you said before. And so Kai walks in. You know, Before that, you know, Allie's strutting the, the stage. She's got 
Um, she's rocking the pantsuit. She calls out the male uh, incumbent for interrupting her. I know. Um, for, for not wanting to be too much about politics this season, it's been all about politics. Right. Call me a snowflake if you want to, but I'm one of millions and we make a goddamn blizzard or um, yep, <laughs> something was, like yeah. that. Like, this is a great empowering It felt line. like a che- good, cheesy political quote. Yeah. Uh, then Kai arrives with his goons and, you know, talks about how Ellie's a symbol and how he's going to kill, he's going to destroy the symbol. And then, of course, his gun has no ammo. For whatever reason, he doesn't have a knife, even though he's had a knife on him pretty much throughout the rest of everything. And Bev shows up and blasts him into pieces. Uh, also, I mean, so I guess this comes down to, did she, was this all planned to have Kai show up to be a dramatic thing that happens at the debate? I would imagine. it kind of seems like it. I, so I, after this happened, I was like, oh, well, Allie learned a bit more from Kai than uh, maybe she'll let on. But this uh, attempted assassination uh, is quite the way to... Um, project yourself higher into the polls and that's exactly what happened so well and obviously the prison guard had the gun gave him the gun that was empty without empty. ammo they knew that kai they knew when he would escape from prison and done that because they she'd arranged for it by having the prison guard kind of be this double agent in the first place and i think they were going to be and, flexible on <clears> when <throat> and where this would happen but but they knew it was gonna like yeah that's why ali was like shoot me yeah and you know <laughs> She even had, like, clearly had her line scripted when she said, you know. Oh, uh, totally. What was the line? <clears throat> there is something more dangerous in this world than a humiliated man, a nasty woman. <laughs> it was like, clearly she'd been, like, Again, you know, workshopping that phrase for weeks. To not want to talk about the Trump and Clinton campaign, they sure referenced it there. They did. They did. But at the same time, we're supposed to believe Allie's, you know, she this she's a Jill Stein voter. She's anti-establishment. So is she running as an independent, I suppose? Because um, I think question. the incumbent was supposed see. to be a Democrat. Right. I, I agree. We and so see. I guess the idea would be that Allie would be an independent. Unless she's Green Party in the tradition of, of her hero, Jill Stein. Right. Um, <laughs> and then she wins. She gets 80% of the, uh, the vote after that. Vote. Yeah, of the woman vote, and she wins. And then, you know, we have the scene with her in Oz, and she's telling him that uh, she wants him to be a better man than the ones who came before him. But then there seemed, like, it seemed meaningful that she goes and gives him the twisty doll. And I don't know if that was supposed to be, again, showing how she's overcome her fear, her fears, and kind of hit right. you over the head with that again, or was is that kind that's, of the same impression you got? That's kind of what I got. That she's over her fears, and she's she will happily um, give her kid the toy, whatever he likes and is into, because she's not afraid of clowns. She's not afraid of you know powerful men or whatever um, you know other issues she had. Um, but also, it's odd to me that she's that comfortable doing something like that because. That was something, remember, that they were, that Winter was trying to, um, you know, uh, desensitize uh, Ozzy, too, Oz. with, um, you know, violence and comic Dark books, web videos the gross stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So now that she's kind of come around to that, you know, I don't know. It, it, you know I don't know what, what normal, uh, I hate that word, but like parent would give their kid a murderous clown doll as something to sleep with 
<clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if the lesson is just supposed to be that, like, living in fear doesn't do you any good and you need to stand up for, you know, you need people who can be courageous and fearless in times like this. Right. Um, but before we reflect on the episode <clears throat> as a whole and what that all meant, you know, she tells Oz that she has a meeting with some very important women, um, very important people. And then we see the very slow scene where she's putting the makeup on. We zoom out and she is donning the green hood. What is your interpretation of the green hood? Because immediately after this episode, we got I got some messages, or we got some messages on Facebook that said, you know, oh, people on Twitter are saying that this is the reference, you know, that maybe she's in a cult. Or maybe this is a reference to the, you know, theorized Coven Murder House crossover season that's coming in a future season. That's not what I thought it was, but I want to know what you thought it was. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> First of all, I did not read any of those messages, but it's, I'm happy to know that I think very similarly to a lot of our listeners. Um, I thought my first response was Coven. Like, my first response was Coven. Um, my second response was Cult, like another cult, but more like a lady society that's not really a cult, but a society where they don't do things like murder people, but they also have a very particular vision. Kind of, you know, you think back to like, um, <clears throat> um, you know, the Masons or what, you know, like those types of old groups of men generally um, that maybe we're coming into the time and age of where you know there's, you know, I don't like I can't think. Um, there's the not the suffrage I mean the suffragettes are part of something like that but like more of a ideologically based um, <clears throat> group of women that's kind of where I was going but my first reaction absolutely was Coven and I know that's probably wrong but I maybe just because I wanted it to be I was like ooh it's connected that's fair that's fair that's fair what did you think I am almost positive that it is a scum reference and if you go and you look at when Bebe just showed up I found the screenshot of it and I'll send it to you yeah, and I posted right. it on Twitter too. When Baby first arrives and it, you know shows up outside of, you know, and I think Beverly's the first person that she she's reaches like out to. She's a cigarette by the the, the And car. she's wearing a and she's wearing a velvet green hood. And I, I think w- that would fit that would totally fit in with what she's saying Gosh. about you, made- you know being in an all female society and all this different stuff. And, and what that would also mean, right? And, and what that would also mean is, but you mean both of them are, and, right. and I think what that would also mean is that, effectively, Bebe's mission to, you know, lives on, provoke female rage was successful, and Scum actually worked and and was followed through on. Valerie Solanas' uh, vision so, actually is becoming coming to fruition right and that's how we end the entire season is with scum being the thing that lasts not any of the kai's you know glorious leader kind of you're right dang it you're right you made me go first and now i'm gonna sound stupid because you no 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 no. i'm sorry i didn't didn't mean that to be a dick i didn't thanks a lot tyler because i do think that it did have you know um it has coven connotations because of the hood and everything, and I do think that there we are going no, to visit coven in the future season. D- no, let's move on. You're right. <laughs> you picked sorry. up on that. That was really good, actually. I'm sorry <laughs> to make the future. Uh, so, reflecting back before we talk about the season as a whole, 
I mean, and I think to some degree that's going to be inevitable when talking about how we feel about this particular episode. But, you know, we, we laid out our expectations for what this episode needed to provide in order for it to be a solid end of the season. Did it hold true to those promises for you and how, you know, and what is your rating based on that, I guess? Uh, to be succinct, it did. I had enough things happen that I felt satisfied with it. Um, I enjoyed the idea that um, there was another little <clears throat> twist uh, that I that kind of made it more fun. Um you know, a lot of things didn't make sense per usual. <laughs> like, how could Ali like turn the guard, and how did she know about the guard? And like, I and right. like when she was talking or trying to turn her to, she was like, you know, does he make fun of your body weight? Or like, I, it was just kind of like, I, I don't know. It, that like there are things. Well, like and that. even that scene when she's talking with the guard, the way they kind of made the restaurant look with the lights and everything, mm-hmm. it felt like she was in Kai's basement and she was doing the, like it was like Kai doing the same kind of right. thing to somebody, you know, where it's right. like so the, well, again she finds saying she finds to somebody what they want to hear kind of for yeah. That so I do think there was supposed to be kind of a connotation that she was also like not necessarily becoming like, a leader in some form. But yeah, yeah, maybe not with the same type of you know. Good sort of ethics. <laughs> right, exactly. Although they do murder someone. Um, so, I don't know. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was fun. After the last episode where, was, where we saw a lot of things happen that were just frustrating or things that we thought were going to pan out to be awesome turned out to be duds. Um, this was a great rebound from that. Um, it, I don't think it rebounded completely back to what we had seen the past pre, like few episodes before the penultimate. But I was happy with it. Like I, I, I'm happy, and I, I, well, I'll give my score right now. I, I give this a solid four um, glasses of rosé. Mm, that's solid. What about that's you? Solid. Yeah. You know, so my my criteria was we needed to have some unexpected things happen, and no doubt we did. I do think that the. You know, I didn't expect the police officer or the corrections officer to be a double agent, mm-hmm. even though the origins of that are somewhat questionable. I agree with you that that was unexpected. And I do think that Ali winning and, you know, the scum reveal at the end was somewhat surprising, even though if I don't even though I don't know that I necessarily like that surprise, um, it was still a surprise. So I have to. uh I, I certainly have to cover that. And there were some really good scenes in here between, you know, Beverly and Allie at the table. Absolutely. I thought, um, I thought there were some good Kai scenes in here with, you know, when he's giving his speech in front of the group of guys before they stab the watermelons. Also, when he's freaking out on the phone after he learns out he's not the father. And I also thought that his, his kind of speech he gave at, you know, before he kind of gets screwed on TV in front of everybody was was a fitting downfall. Um, it was also fitting. I also enjoyed that it was Beverly that was the one who pulled the trigger and not Allie. I liked that too. She, again, like you said, like you thought she was going to do that in the house, mm-hmm. but she got to do it on live TV, I'm assuming. So that's really a lot of vindication for her, even though she's also sucked up into a new cult possibly now. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, Allie, Allie gets to be Senator, but Beverly gets some for taking down Kai, you right. know? Um, so I liked all those things. I would say in my mind this episode was mm, 75% redeeming. It wasn't quite all the way there. Right. But, it's, you know, having laid out what my expectations were for it, 
I feel like it was 75% redeeming. And for me, I think that um, I'm hovering between a, a 3.75 and a 4. I think I'm going to give it a 3.75. 3.75, because there was some something like... And I, the reason I say that is because, especially in the middle of the season, I was really high on what the season could be. It was like I was thinking at that point that it was going to be in my top two, and we, we'll talk about ratings in a little, in just a few minutes here. But I would say some things that happened. Honestly, I feel like they killed too many characters before the end, and so there was only so many things they could do here that really fit with the storyline. And there was so many, I don't know. I think that for me, a three point seven five is maybe just about the best they could have pulled off with the parts they still had. I almost sense. feel like um, Beverly's final hurrah could have also worked for Winter's character in a much more meaningful way. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I kind of wish it had been Winter's character. That's the one that finally pulls the trigger on her brother because of what he's done and she realizes it also she would be so down with the campaign <laughs> like because she yeah, was campaigning that's that's for, totally true you know. and because you know we both agree that winter's i feel like winter's storyline was done a major disservice and that's kind of one of the, my biggest like this frustration season with it. um well so without further ado then let's dive into that a little bit pause if you're i'm down to do this pause let me go grab a beer and i'll be right back cool is that okay yeah let me grab one too And we're back. <laughs> Have you ever had White Dog before? What is it called? White Dog. No. It's it's bourbon before it gets aged in the bourbon barrels. Oh yeah, I haven't had it, but I've. Yeah. So it's like mine's. It's in the same glass that I had my my bourbon cider, and it's a little dark. But it's normally it's just clear. Oh wow. But it is uh, very potent. And but also like super sweet. It has oh, like nice. a corn sweetness to it. Yeah. But it kind of kind of burns. You could disinfect a wound with it, no problem. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to try some of that when I visit. <laughs> you will. <laughs> so let's talk. Okay. Uh, a new introduction we're gonna have this season um, is we're gonna talk through some different positionings in terms of um, I've introduced, we're going to like, like we talked about, like it's the end of a sports season or something like that. We're going to have um, a couple different categories. So I'm not going to name them all in advance. Cause I want to, they're going to be fun if we kind of come up with them one at a time. Yep. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight here. Um, I'm going to do them in reverse order oh so that way they are more we kind of build up to the most oh fun. okay okay oh i like that that's oh you just like the nba yeah so let's start with scariest moment what was for you the scariest moment from the season oh this was hard for me to to kind of come up with just because i thought about a lot of the you know when i was the most i was scared was probably earlier on in this season with the mm-hmm. clowns showing up and doing things like that so that kind of freaked me out a lot, but I went more for a fun, scary moment, something from a more memorable episode, which were the later episodes. And to me, that was Rick Springfield's House of Horrors. <laughs> I really thought that was like freaky and scary. And also, I really don't like um, 
like saw those movies even though i kind of still will go see them sometimes um at that so like that was just like that that was kind of fun also and even though i knew winter and kai would make it out of there you know i was still like kind of worried about them and them running through that house so that was that was probably i would say that that whole sequence in that house what about you uh so for me i the judgment house was really high up there um i think that for me is second and i'm going to call I don't know if I'm going to call it the scariest, but it was the creepiest to me, was the gimp in Dermot Walroney's attic. I thought it was a, a good, creepy... Oh, God, I forgot about that. Gross, Ugh. gross moment. Um, that was kind of something that... But I, I definitely... I thought the Judgment House was also, obviously... It was a similar thing, where it was a little bit of, like, um, torture porn kind of yeah. gross, I just can't, nasty ugh, stuff. Yeah. Um, and th- th- there were multiple moments where Allie's running around her house early on when she, if she wasn't so annoying back then, maybe I would be more scared <laughs> when the clowns yeah. are kind of, and then also once we know who the clowns are, it's kind of like, well, that fear is kind of totally. Well, yeah. When the, I, I, that was absolutely the case. I feel like when, once we learned who the count, clowns were, that really took away from it. Well, like that was another one when the clown jumps up in the back seat of her car and she, that was the so good. You're right. Shoot. That was a really good moment. Yep. And I that knew what happened too. too, but the face, the way it was there. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next category I'm going to ask you for is uh, ones you, you suggested. Honorable mention. What's Which one? Sorry. Uh, honorable mention. So I have a few people in here <laughs> because there's a few other categories that we have. Um, there's one or two that I think a few people could fit in. But mm-hmm. um, I think also there's a few, um, <clears throat> you know, if, you know, well, I'll explain it later. Honorable mentions for me go to Adina Porter, who did a fantastic job, I think. I, I, I think her she had a better character in um, Roanoke. I thought that was a really cool character. Lee, Lee Hills, I think her name was. Harris, Lee Harris. Lee Harris. Um, so I, I, I give her honorable mention for doing a fantastic job this season. Um, we didn't talk about her too much, but I really do think Allison Pill did a good job. I'd be happy to see her come back um, playing mm-hmm, Ivy. Mm-hmm. She was, she was, uh, she's worth the mention. And then I couldn't find a category for her, but uh, Leslie Grossman, who played uh, Meadow, Meadow, I think had a fun arc. She was funny, hilarious, brought a lot of levity. Um, even when, when, um, um, Harrison's care or Harrison was kind of like getting darker and like he still could be kind of funny but Leslie to me was always kind of a little bit of a relief so it was nice having I want to mention her doing a great job in the in the, the series what is your honorable mention I she didn't my honorable three. mention was straight up Leslie Grossman okay I think that, <laughs> that's awesome uh, you know I agree with all what you said about everybody but yeah. I think that she was one who especially as the season progressed like uh, I thought she did a really strong job with the Meadow character and especially kind of when that character has a more interesting turn, um, turn when she ends up being the one responsible for the mass shooting and then you find out you know her relationship with Kai was what influenced it and everything that was cool um, it was job. kind of that dark side to that levity which was yep you know something and then I, you know the scene where she conducts the mass shooting too when you finally see it at Oof. the end of that that episode is pretty ominous and I thought she did a good job with that as well so I thought she definitely warranted a um, 
an honorable mention. Uh, next category I'm going to ask you about is the best cameo. Who was your favorite cameo from this season? I was kind of flexible on this, so I kind of interpreted cameo as either um, as mostly someone who showed up in one episode. Um, so, because I was looking at the cast list, and like sometimes they're like re- recurring star or guest star, and like you know the way they put, I, you know, I don't know. But cameo, even yeah. though, so I've chosen even though this person has appeared in previous seasons of is that is that fair or should i pick someone else are you gonna pick john carroll lynch no but i thought about him or the person i ended up choosing oh you can pick whoever you want yeah i go with who you said (laughs) i picked mayor winningham i thought she was really Mm. interesting character and she delivered it in a really cool way and just you know i don't know was was a very fun person to have in for one episode again her character was a device, unfortunately, but I thought she did a good job, and they needed to use her more often, so I really appreciate her cameo. What about you? <laughs> I thought she did a terrific job. I liked Wilmer Winningham a lot, too. I also I, Other people who I think were candidates were for this were John Carroll Lynch. Dermot Mulroney. Were, uh, Dermot Mulroney. Emma, Emma Roberts, uh, I think. Robert. Um, I think she earned one. And... You know, we had uh, Lena Dunham, which right, was Lena not Dunham. mine. I knew you um, wouldn't pick her. I almost picked her just to make the like, spite you, but like, yeah, <laughs> no. Mine is Dermot Mulroney. I thought that he was a he was like he was pretty. He funny. had that he he was funny, but then he had the creepy turn that he had the gimp in the attic, which was not something we saw coming. Yeah, um, it's like you want you. It, my criteria there was like it left you wanting to know more about what the hell was going on with that character, which. You know, I thought was uh, which was the same with Mayor Winningham too, because I thought she was really unique and yeah. interesting character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to ask what your biggest disappointment was, and I'm going to make you pick one because I have two, and I'm going to have to decide which one I'm going to go with. My biggest disappointment was the BB storyline or Bebe storyline, mm-hmm. just because I complained about this in our whole season of our podcast. But it was just so disappointing because it was such a dud. It had so much promise and was really exciting in the v- Valerie Solanas episode. And then it we went. We love nowhere. Francis Conroy. Yeah, and and exactly, and and it's so disappointing because Francis Conroy was was that character. And she's fantastic. She's phenomenal. So um, I'm not disappointed. Francis Conroy, she killed it. But like, I'm disappointed in that storyline and what it was supposed to be and what we had built it up to possibly be. And ultimately, forgetting probably that we're watching American Horror Story, and even though we love it, there are a lot of storylines um, and things that happen that end up in dead ends, even when they have a tighter season like this one. <laughs> I agree. Um, what, what's your biggest disappointment? Well, I'm glad you said that one because that you makes me pick feel the other one. <laughs> saying my other one, which is Winter Storyline. Yeah. Um, I feel like of all the characters we had on this show. Winter was the one who had the, like, it felt like we were going to get set up for something really cool with her. You know, we, the way, you know, it's kind of insinuated that maybe there's some kind of interesting bet between her and Kai at the beginning that explains why her loyalties, you know, would go to her brother, even though she was such a huge Hillary supporter. Um, we you know, every time We've talked about this in every episode where she talked about how he crossed the line, and like you said, it would have been really gratifying to see her finally stand up to him. But instead, they just gave her the most pathetic ending ever, which is like, despite everything, all all that ends up being, you know, the surface layer is that like, oh, her brother, even though her life wasn't, it's not like he saved her in particular, but like, 
he killed, you know, Rick Springfield. Yeah. And so that like somehow endeared her to him for any, no matter what he did, she was going to stick with her family and just kind of sells out everybody else and ends up dying in the end. You know, if you look at the most superficial things that happen throughout her situation, she gets sold out by the woman who wants revenge uh, on her wife, whom apparently was having this major affair that we never really saw. <laughs> like, yeah. it's such a cop-out to get rid of that character that way. And it, 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 yeah, it's absolutely disappointing. Yeah. Not down with that. That didn't treat that one with the careness, the kind careness, the care, the tenderness that um, was so promising for the first seven episodes. It was like, we were so perplexed and intrigued by what her where her loyalties were. And that, that relationship between her and her brother is a really cool thing to go explore and like why she still will stand by his side, but ultimately she'll have to make a choice and she never got to make that choice. That's unfair yeah, to her character. I feel like, yeah, I feel like the writer stunted her and that was too bad because she was an interesting character. Uh, most improved. Who's your most improved for this season? So I, you know, I almost put um, Leslie Grossman in this just because most improved throughout the season. Um, That's fair. But also, I, was I like, think this can be interpreted however you want to interpret it. Right. Yeah. So, but I went back. I wanted to do something kind of more most improved from previous seasons. Um, and there aren't a ton of people in this season who I think had the opportunity to improve um, with the exception of Chaz Bono. So I'm going to say Chaz is my most Gary, yeah. Gary yeah, was a great sure. character. He was endearing, but he's also awful. Uh, and a lot of that's because he had more to do compared to Roanoke. But, uh, you know, I absolutely I'll give him most improved. I think he did a great job, and it was really fun. I am glad you chose Gary because I think that was a great call out, and I I'm I think we might have forgotten to mention him otherwise. So yeah. that was a great pick. <laughs> what about you? Who do you think? Mine, mine's Adina Porter. I feel like mm-hmm. you know I thought she did a really good job as Lee Harris in uh, last season, and before that we had seen her in Asylum. I think as a patient of, or no, maybe we saw her. Was it in season one that she was a patient of um, Ben's? Uh, I don't remember. She had another appearance in a different season, I think. Um, but last season as Lee Harris was her first bigger role. I Honestly, I think that I actually liked her as Beverly more than I liked uh, even Lee Harris. I thought that especially at the beginning, Beverly was such a fun and bizarre character, especially like with the newscaster dynamic and her being so like anti-establishment, burn it all to the ground kind of philosophy and embracing the fake news. And... Um, I was I was kind of heartbroken to see her character have the stretch where she kind of uh, got broken by Kai, and so I was it made me really happy to see her bounce back and kind of you know regain that strength at the end. But I thought Adina did a great job and, and really knocked it out of the park. She was in um, she was in Murder House. She was Sally Freeman was her character's name. Sally Freeman, and I think that was a patient of yeah. Also, I knew I mean, I've talked about this in Roanoke, but I knew her from she was in True Blood. She played Tara's mom, um, but she was also in the newsroom, which is where Allison uh, Pill is from. I don't remember her from the newsroom. I do remember Allison Pill because she was one of the main characters. She that, played Kendra James. Huh. Well, it's been a while. But I did not watch um, 
the newsroom you didn't after watch the, the first season because I was yeah. one of those journalists who were like, "This isn't how it is." Anyway, well, inter- interesting fact: David Harbor, who is the Hopper on uh, Stranger Things, had a big role on Newsroom too. He's much better as Hopper. I love um, let's Hopper. talk. <laughs> yeah, let's talk Rookie of the Year. Um, who was your Rookie mm. of the Year? I mean, I think I imagine you're wrestling between two people. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna choose the one that I think I this person is just great. Uh, I, I'm, I think we're gonna choose the same person. That's <laughs> it. I'm choosing Billy Lord. I think she was really great, uh-huh. and I think she was done a disservice with her character because there was so much promise with the way she delivered it. And I've only seen her in Scream Queens before, and then obviously in her brief cameo in The Force Awakens. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, she's great. Like she, she's seen, like, I don't know. She, she really, um, did her whole character, a lot of justice in more so than she, than it deserved, I guess, because it maybe was supposed to be just a side character, like, uh, like Rudy Vincent, but I saw her more as a bigger character. And I think that's because she did such a good job with it. So I would yeah. give her rookie of the year, but I think I know who you're going to pick. I picked the other Billy. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it to Billy Eichner, and yeah, I thought that he did a terrific. Jo- well, I mean, he was great. He was the my, other one I thought. You know, I thought he was great, and I thought that his. I mean, he's always funny, uh, but I also thought that he brought some nuance to the role, uh, which was something that, like, you know, was kind of the expect. Basically, that was like, can he, can he be a character that's more than just Billy Eichner? And I thought he achieved that with Harrison. Um, he was funny, but he also was really dark and had his whole own storyline and everything. So I thought he did a really great job with it. Uh, and, you know, the, I, the people that I don't think were particularly memorable in this category, Colton Haynes, I don't feel like was really He didn't anything. have a lot to work with, really, but also his character, I don't know. It wasn't that, compared to the others, I mean, it was still fine. It was just, we right. remember all of a was sudden like, we get his background, we're like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then he dies. Yeah. <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, Les- Leslie Grossman was she was new this season, right? She, she was. Hadn't anything, she so was. I'm pretty sure. So yeah. she was she was a candidate and she did a great job. But I think that's why for me honorable she fit mention. well into that honorable mention category. And I'm glad you you suggested that one. And then obviously Billy Lord was the other one I was debating mm-hmm. with too. But for me, you know, and, and we can blame this on the writers. We can blame it on whatever the the thing may be. But I felt like because that character didn't just didn't pan out so much it took away from my overall excitement about right. the character. Right. Uh, best episode of the year, and I'm going to throw this in. We didn't have this in our list when we emailed before, but if you have also a best scene. Um, mm. um, well, I wrote down best episode, and I think it's the one that we both ranked the highest, so I'm, I'm guessing we're going to agree, but Drink the Kool-Aid was probably my mm. favorite one. And with I, that was mine too. Yeah, I was like, I hadn't said that it was, was really too. good. It was it was strong. Um, uh, you know, I've considered um, the episode with um, Angela Bassett as the director, which was the. Um, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. That that is the one with Angela Bassett. The one before that, yeah. Winter of Our Discontent. I thought that mm-hmm. one was pretty strong, also. And even though yep. it had its moments, uh, the Valerie Solanas, there was a there was a stretch in there where it was very very strong, but uh, Drink the Kool Aid was probably I would say my favorite one, um, and within that I would say, you know, Allie and Ivy's dinner, 
of death mm-hmm. was just so tense and so great. And then the way their personalities flip and shit gets real for a minute there, and they just push each other and challenge each other. It was pretty great. I, I thought that that's probably my favorite scene when I think back on this season. Um, I would probably pick that scene just because I don't want to pick the mass shooting scene was interesting, but also like I just ah, it's just too real now. Mm-hmm. But the no, I hear you. Anyway, what 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 would you choose for your favorite episode and your favorite scene? I picked Drink the Kool Aid for my favorite episode too. I think I that was definitely I, that for me that was one of the best episodes of maybe any season. In terms of everything that was going mm-hmm. on, um, I think I really did like the scene where Allison Pill's character, when Ivy dies as well. I thought that was a really good one. Um, I really liked the scene from this episode that was the similar din- or you know meal between mm-hmm. Beverly and uh, Allie. I think was really good. And I was trying to think of something. You know, there was I feel like there was a lot of good Kai scenes that should be called out here, um, and maybe. Thinking of you know some of the different ones that come to mind, um, when he he gives he gives so many like the, the story time scenes were fun. Like I thought when he did at the beginning of Drink the Kool Aid when he's doing the story time with all oh, the that with was fun, Jim Jones yeah. and all the different ones, uh, those were fun fun scenes that I enjoyed. Um, I liked the um, um, Sharon Tate. Uh, Roman Polanski house uh, scene too. Just that was kind of fun, you know. It was a throwback, and we have like familiar characters playing double roles, and that was kind of fun. There, there was some fun. There was definitely some different scenes that were just fun like that. Um, the um, what we what we um, got our rating system from this season. The the grocery store scene with Gary, and then the all the clowns. The grocery. The- the grocery store scene was also a really good. Yeah, scene. I I think I really I really liked that scene a lot actually. Yeah, that, that was, was fun. That's another one that's. It was kind of frustrating for me at um, points, but it's also just I don't know because at that point we didn't I know if it was hallucinations yeah. or if it was actual people. If I'd known it was actual people, I probably would have had more fun with it. But I was like, "What's going on here? Come on now." Yeah, yeah. I think there's you know there was a like, number of different like people. now that we know like um, it was. Uh, Samuels and Harrison like banging over in the, like the fruit section, the produce section. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Like, why? Why was that? I guess we don't need to talk about every time. Like, okay, guys. So here's the plan. You go do that over there, run by her, so she doesn't see you. We're gonna go have sex over in the produce section, so she sees us having sex, and then you stand behind the rose bottle section, so when she throws them at you, push a cart by her. Like. <laughs> I have to believe it was more just like our plan is to freak her the fuck out. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So why not bang yeah. uh, um, two birds with one stone? Ah, yeah, there you go, there you go. Um, but yeah, I think there was a lot of this season had some highlight scenes for sure. And finally, uh, the category to end the rest is most valuable player. Um, I feel like there's two contenders, and I'm curious to hear which way you're going to go. I'm pretty sure that you know where I'm going to go on this, and I think you will probably agree. And so I'm just going to say who it is, and then I'm going to let you probably agree with me and then take it from there. But I would give MVP this season to none other than Mr. Evan Peters. What do you think? I think that's... uh, 
I, I agree with you. I think that that's who I had to. I think that's fair. I think the other option, of course, is to have Sarah Paulson. And the argument to be made for Allie would be the transformation her character made between episode 1 and episode 11, which was impressive. I will give her that. But the question is, was it impressive enough in the latter half to overcome how obnoxious she was for, for throughout the first half? And for me, the answer was no. That's kind of what my, my overall like question was. I agree. Like, can I forgive how much more I like this character now for how terrible she was for six episodes? Nope. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't. And I do feel like this season was kind of teed up to be Evan Peters' season. Yeah. Um, you know. He should get a nomination for sure. Yeah, which he hasn't gotten yet. So I think it's fair to put you know consider him for that. And I feel like there was a lot of moments where he was intense and he was... Um, ephemeral and he had like you know some really rousing speeches and then a lot of other really funny lines um and you know i would say for the most part he was if the overall question is was he a convincing cult leader i think he was i think he was i think that he it's he played the part with enough intensity and kind of passion that it was believable that, that people would want to follow him at least in my opinion I agree. I think I think it was fun that he had so many characters to play with, um, and I think he did a really like. It took some convincing for me because not that he's not good at what he does. Like, shoot, if he came over to my job and watched what I do, he'd be like, "Yeah, he's all right." <laughs> I hope yeah. he would say at least that. But um, <laughs> but by the end of this, especially actually in this last episode, I thought it was really great. Like, you know, a, a man at his breaking point multiple breaking points but like trying you know the the place that he's gotten to and why he's there i thought it was i thought he did a really great job and um he made me not root for him the entire time because he did a good job um as far mm-hmm. as the other candidate um i just didn't really like the shift was too extreme for me for ally like you yeah, know, I think that's a really fair. She's so mm-hmm. paranoid, and then all of a sudden she flips a switch and is like, I realized I'm not scared anymore when she replaced all her fear with revenge or whatever. And then, which fine, yeah. you know, because it created a great scene. And uh, one of, I think, will be one of the more iconic scenes of um, American Horror Story. But um, it wasn't, and then she started killing people, though, and I was like, all right, now, I, like, I don't, I'm not rooting for you at all. Like, I remember after last episode, um, I was like, blow it all up. Like, I don't want any of these people to make it. Like, everyone's annoying and frustrating. But then once she flipped it around, and I, be, and it's because I see it as her just being spiteful and be like, well, I'm going to go take your Senate seat now, too. I was like, okay, this got funny. Now it got real serious, <laughs> like, in a, in, a, in a hilarious way. That's not enough to make for up for um, ten and a half episodes of frustration, <laughs> but right. yeah, kudos Evan Peters, you did a great job, right? And you know, I would. The other thing I would I would say to agree with you on that is that not only was that transition with Allie so dramatic, um, but you know. If we're looking at the two storylines of the characters, you know, and because Kai had his own trajectory too, he was kind of, if you think about it, they had not parallel storylines, but what like 
reverse storylines, I guess, as you know, she gains mm-hmm. more courage as he kind of loses his shit. Um, but it, Evan Peters' course felt more believable over time when you think about the medication and then like right. kind of maybe not being able to keep up with the what he'd kind of built. Um, and I feel like there was sh- like there was things that interfered with his storyline. With like you know we learned last episode that Bebe you know planted the seed for that and things. And I like that was annoying, but I feel like it's it you know the character endured through that regardless. Um, yeah, and was it was was strong, uh, and in general the writing I think in this episode or in this season was strong. So, uh, having gone through all those positions, let's talk about our our former rankings and how this fits in with our new rankings. So, do you do you remember what your last rankings were? I don't completely remember, but I wrote them up. Uh, before this episode started just so I could have kind of a rough idea of how I feel today because obviously this changes sometimes we like we've talked about this like our first one two maybe three don't shift too much unless there's a great season and then everything else kind of like depending on what mood you're in (laughs) shuffles around but I I have an idea of what I had um, and I I think I have an idea of where I put Colt do you I do you go first I've been going first okay first yeah, yeah, okay. So I have up to this point after last season, I had Murder House is one, Roanoke is two. Roanoke, I think for both of us, mm-hmm. um, shot up a lot just because it was so innovative in the way that it was put together. Right. Uh, I had Asylum as three, Hotel as four, Coven as five, and Freak Show as six. And as always with kind of my rankings, you notice they go from more traditional horror to most campy. Mm-hmm. And I. Because I'm less of a fan of the kind of campy style. Right. Um, although I I, I, I I like it in small doses, but I don't like seasons that are all campy and no horror. Right. Um, so my new ranking after this is Murder House, Roanoke, Asylum, Cult at number four, Ooh. right smack dab in the middle, Hotel, Coven, Freak Show. And I think that Cult had the potential to be in the top three, maybe even at number two. It definitely had the potential to knock over Asylum and potentially slip past Roanoke midway through the season. And I would say all the way up through Drink the Kool-Aid, I think that it had had things come together with Winter's storyline and had things been different with the scum Bebe storyline. I feel like that would have been the factor that could have bumped it up there. But I was thinking about this season and about what the theme was you know what I identified as the theme from season one to or from episode one to episode eleven, and you end it with you know basically the message being you know you have Ali running as an outsider, which is fitting with the beginning, but the bigger portion is when she's talking to Oz about like you know men versus women, and so much of the finale was about like you know. F- female empowerment which is you know that's something i support obviously Mm -hmm. but i feel like for the first half of the season that was not really defined as a major impetus for anything until scum shows up halfway through and i felt even when the when the valerie solanus episode came around it was kind of like where the hell did this does this fit into where the you know everything else was going up until then and so i felt like the theme what the theme became of the season wasn't what the theme started as and it could have been much more interesting, and I don't know. There was more to be said about alienation and you know people feeling forgotten and all this stuff that 
I feel like they the direction it went with the feminism angle I just felt like was not as compelling as it could have been so that was what brought it down for me how about you um, so my rankings in the past were Asylum, Roanoke, Murder House, Hotel, Coven, Freak Show. And my new rankings are Asylum, Roanoke, Murder House. <laughs> <laughs> so much anticipation here. Uh, and then I kind of have Colt and Hotel in a tie right now. Um, uh. And then Coven and Freak Show. So Colt, Colt comes in in the middle for me too. The only reason I was I was trying to figure out how do I feel about Colt compared to Hotel? Is it higher or is it below? Colt is um, seemingly more of a show where I can watch. I feel like I should watch the whole season because it kind of does have more of a longer story that's happening, even though Hotel does too. Hotel, I know I can pull out an episode and have a great time with a few certain episodes. I, I just like, you know, especially with um, Liz Taylor, you know, her storyline. Well, Liz Taylor great. is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. probably. And ever. so that's why I just couldn't really, I, you know, I, I'll, I must sit on this for a couple more days and like, I'm sure one will pull the head of the other. My initial response is to put Colt as number four, hotel is five, coven six, freak show seven. But mm. um, right now, I just that last episode last week kind of was so shitty that I <laughs> not so shitty, sorry, just not as strong that um, I don't know, I don't know. So right now I'm sitting at Asylum, Roanoke, Murder House, Colton Hotel, jockeying for position. It'll change daily, I'm sure. Coven and then Freak Show, and I like Coven. It's campy, but I think that was just a. I've said this before. Um, a practice round for what they wanted to do with um, Scream Queens and then Freak Show was, you know, just was too much and too like too many musical sequences and blah blah Yeah, I thought about recently though how I should possibly move Roanoke up because I, I re- that's one thing that I appreciate so I love the drama of Hotel but I love the changing the game up of Cult so I'm trying mm. to figure out which one I like more. And right now I'm actually leaning more to, toward Colt as being stronger. So you would have it at, in that case, you would have it at number four, same as I have it probably. Yeah, we basically have the same exact order except uh, per use. Uh, murder House and Asylum. Asylum and Murder House uh, flipped. So I have a question for you that I just thought of here. Mm-hmm. Looking at all seven of these seasons, could you pick a favorite character from every season right at the top oh of my head? Oh my gosh. Because I think I could. Oh my gosh. And I will. I w- so for me, for Murder House, it would be Tate. For Asylum, it would be Sister Jude. For Colt, I think it would have to be Kai. For Hotel, it would have to be Liz Taylor. For Coven, it would be... Francis Conroy's character, who I don't remember her name. Oh, yeah. And for Freak Show, it would be Dandy. Um, Roanoke is the one that I don't know. I think Cuba Gooding's Jr., or Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character might be my favorite character from Roanoke of everybody. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what I would um, do. Well, because I'm just uh, looking at all these seasons, I'm th- you know, I was thinking there's seasons like Freak Show, which, you know, it's my seventh in the least favorite overall season, but but you remember, people. Dan- but Dandy was one of my favorite characters that there's ever been, and and Twisty I think was also a really great character. 
up until they made him sympathetic, which I still am pissed about. <laughs> but yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I don't know. Or you know, you look, or you look at you know Hotel, and you say, and I, because this was the other thing. You know, you were saying you were deciding between Colton Hotel, and I'm thinking, well, what is? Do I remember any specific scenes from Hotel that I really loved? And you know, I remember like. Uh, impressions of different things but you know like the run i remember the runway scene in hotel and i remember you know there being a lot of people dying during sex scenes and things yeah i remember Liz's thing, death. Like, i remember the bar with west bentley's character can't remember his name right now and um, john yeah and uh hyperdermic sally Right, but I like, but like uh, from that season, what I remember most definitively is the character Liz Taylor. Yeah, you know? agreed. She, I would I, hands down, Liz Taylor's the best character in Hotel for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Oh gosh, I, Murder House Tate was really great. Violet was okay. She was interesting, mm-hmm. especially her whole. And Constance, I mean Jessica Lange in all her seasons yeah. is a contender for one of the best characters. Asylum, I would say Sister Jude just because of the name game. Like, like again, like again, that that just that whole season was so all over the like place, but like dark and stuff. But that moment was brilliant. Um, who, what was what's the name of the actress who played Sister Eunice in that season? Uh, Lily um, Rabe. And different Lily Rabe, yeah, she's, she's great too. Really uh, Sister Eunice was a really good character too. Yeah, Roanoke is a little bit challenging because, um, it was fun. I just love uh, Roanoke was a fun. Um, anyway. There was some interesting character. Cheyenne Jackson's um, producer character I thought was really good there. Yeah. And I want to note that we did not mention Cheyenne Jackson once when we talked about he was only uh, really Colt, good which I think. Ghost. Yeah, which I think is, is, is telling about how much Dr. Rudy Vincent yeah, kind of like, sucked. And whether, again, whether that was his fault or whether that was just the role Rudy Vincent played and everything. Right. Um, well, I think we both said we kind of felt like he was a red herring where it was like yeah. he, you know, he made it, he was a easy excuse for why Kai had access to Adderall and to people, you know, like Ali's personal information. But, uh, you know, otherwise right. he really didn't have too much involvement in anything else. I would throw in Madison Montgomery as being a really great character in Coven. She was a great character for sure. She has the one line that people who have never seen American horror story use in memes and gifs, gifs, if you will say it for us. Surprise, bitches. A surprise, bitch. I just, yeah, anyway, <laughs> so that's all it is. <laughs> Kathy Bates' character from from uh, Hotel, also, or sorry, not Hotel. Um, Coven. Coven, also. And I liked Queenie, also. She was pretty great. There were good characters. The, the, show, had some great the, the whole Col- show or, sorry, went off Hotel, the rock. Or Coven had, had good characters. Yeah, it just didn't. I just didn't like story. the way it ended. <laughs> Yeah, Naughty Pine. That was another great. Line oh my God, Naughty Pine! Oh, that was so great. Yeah. Ah <laughs> uh, man. So now that we know how things have settled, let's talk about future seasons. The the final thing we must discuss: future seasons. Yes. What do you think it's going to so, be? So, well, before we talk about our own ideas, um, there we got some pitches of what people hoped it would be on social media. Michael said. He would be in for a summer camp season, which I think we I've, have talked about before. That's what my, yep. A school or orphanage season or an Area 51. Um, oh, my God. Nick people. said like an 80s theme season or a satanic panic, kind of picking up on that Stranger Things vibe that's so popular right now. 
And um, Ryan Murphy himself has said that at some point there's going to be Murder House Coven crossover, which I'm curious what it'll look like. But of course, it'll be fun to get back some of the characters we've had. Right. Uh, Also, apparently Ryan Murphy put on Twitter that so far the seasons of American Horror Story have made up seven of the nine circles of hell, according to Dante's Inferno. We've talked about this in past seasons, but he actually laid it out. Uh, Murder House is Limbo. Uh, Gluttony is Hotel. So that's like excess. Right. Greed is freak show, and I guess that kind of would go with them, you know, putting the freaks in the museum and Dennis O'Hara's character and everything. Uh, Roanoke was anger. Uh, cult was heresy. Whoa, um, was which that? would make sense, huh? What was that? I don't know if I picked one of oh. those. Is that cult? Yeah, cult is yeah. what they put for that one. Uh, for Asylum, they put fraud, is what he put. Oh, okay, because um, they were doing experiments on people. Yeah, I guess. And then uh, Coven was treachery, which was all about, that was fitting, because it was all about the backstabbing. So the two that they haven't done yet were, are now at this point, are violence and lust. Oh, God, we need a violence one? There's plenty of violence in these. And plenty of lust, too, if you look back yeah. at like Hotel. Yeah, that's true. I feel like maybe those are just elements of every season. Uh, yeah, that, there's also a pretty comprehensive theory. Like, on, that's stretching seasons to fit a theme. Right. Uh, apparently, there's also some uh, ideas floating around on Reddit of an American Revolution-themed season based on some mm. different things that were said in Cult this year. Um, Ooh, what I want to ask you, though, is like... If you could have anything, what would you, what would you, you said summer camp. Um, what other ideas, or what would your summer camp season look like? And uh, alternatively, what other ideas do you have? Um, I think, I, I know we tapped into it a little bit in Roanoke, but I think some Native American lore uh, could have has mm-hmm. some opportunities. Um, summer camp absolutely is such a, you know, iconic American horror story trope uh, um, right. that it's possible to do. Um, I also, I hate, I'm repeating like what our people, our our listeners have said, but also I agree, Aliens is something that hasn't really been too explored. Yeah. Especially with Pennywise. I mean, we had glimpses of it in Asylum. Well, and I feel like in Asylum, it was like Aliens was kind of a, um, that was the side story I didn't really like in Asylum. It was like, it was like, why are we doing too much? So I'd rather have, yeah, if it was one that was focused on that, though, that could be really compelling. Right, right. Um, oh my gosh, and there was one more I just had in my head when we were talking about this. Okay, you go while I think about this. Okay, so the things I've listed are a home invasion, which I don't know how you do a whole season on home invasion, but I, if they could figure out a way to do it, that could be really fascinating. Um, maybe like a home invasion that, you know, um, I guess, uh, you know, in some ways Roanoke is home invasion, but it was home invasion by spirits. I'm talking about like home invasion by like actual clowns, you know, just, which we had this season. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we've had plenty of home invasion before. They touch on everything. Um, yeah, I have uh, also vengeful spirit, it, but I have like a poltergeist kind of thing. But vengeful spirit in an unusual place, I think, um, could be, you know, a setting that we wouldn't expect. I'm not. Sh- I don't even know what that would be. We haven't had a college campus yet. We haven't had a yeah schools or something. We haven't really done that much with. Um, stranded somewhere, stranded and there being scary things. Whether it was an island, maybe it's on a mountain, you know, plane crash or something like that. Being stranded somewhere isolated and there being something terrifying. Um, I put alien creature. I put uh, like on a boat or submarine. 
um, being, I don't know, something that could be kind of a fun one is like the Titanic or something like that. Um, but there being other like supernatural elements or something going Ooh, on. Yeah, Titanic like could that. be a good one. And I feel like that would fit in with the campiness. And here's actually one that I put a very specific one is the 1893 Chicago's World Fair, which have you read uh, Devil in the yeah, White City? Of course. Yeah. If, yeah. So if we did a variation on that with, um, what's the killer's name? Remind me. Um, the jazz man, axe man. That's a joke. No, on so yeah, H.H. Holmes. So he was the guy who had like the boarding house where he would had a furnace in the bottom where he would kill women and burn them in the furnace. If Evan, I could see totally Evan Peters or someone else too um, playing H.H. Holmes. But like that would I feel like be a good fit. You would you'd have opportunities to do fun things with campiness. Yep. Um, you would have a famous serial killer that you could base things on. There would be a lot of nuance there. That could be a really fun season too. And I do think Plus like you could take, point right set it all in old time. Great to go back and revisit a different decade or era since we've done yeah. the, the, the most recent um, ones in kind of present time. The past three have been more present, yeah. Right. That'd be cool. And you've I had also, flashbacks, I, but... I would say, even though it's not um, American, uh, some type of, like, J-horror, which we had a taste of in Roanoke, with the Asian family who, you know, kind of mm, crawled around. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's just such a... Like the grudge or the ring the or something. Ring, something, something like that. Yo, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the ring, yeah. but, like, you know, American. <laughs> it's so good. It's brilliant yeah. with the grudge. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That could be fun. Interesting. Yeah, those would be good, too. So, fingers crossed, I guess. We'll certainly, one, you know, once it's announced what it's going to be, we'll we'll update Facebook and everything Ooh, like that. What about, um, like, more like the faculty or, like, invasion of the body snatchers type of a thing where it could be aliens, but also, like, people are, like... Benefit with aliens. We also have never had zombies, but I don't know if they want to touch that just because Walking Dead... Have you been keeping up on Walking Dead? Uh, I'm like two or three episodes okay. behind now. I mean, the season's fine. It's not great. It's fine. But it's also like probably past its expiration date. So I don't know if anyone yeah. wants to touch that. We also haven't really had... I mean, we've had vampires kind of like because of Lady Gaga and like... I don't know. They've touched on so many things. It's hard to okay. figure it out. But. Well, right. Well, so here's another idea is dystopia. Doing something in the future mm, versus doing it in the past. That's a great think, idea, yeah. You yeah. know... You kind of have Mr. Robot doing a little bit of a version of that. Um, I mean, but also, you know, big movies like Blade Runner and all that stuff, yep. touching on different versions of that. That might be a little bit higher budget than some of the stuff we've done. But Ryan Murphy has 20 TV shows. I'm sure he can do whatever he wants at this point. I worry, so. though, that this one is kind of like his, you know, not on the back burner, but one he's not really like, you know, paying as close attention to. He'd rather, you know, after after a story, after a show has been on the on tv for a couple seasons it's not gonna have the chances to like be groundbreaking or or win more awards it's generally the first couple seasons where something happens so i I, but the thing yeah i i hear you but i also feel like the the great thing about the show is is it can be a new thing every season roanoke should have and you know i've done better with awards than i did i think i agree too because i think that was an opportunity to be really creative and how they approached you know i think they re, they were like well how can we rethink what we've been doing right and so keep it uh, up yeah keep i'm redreaming. keep re, re uh um configuring the 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 structure i love it right well and look at like this the stuff like black mirror does with technology and and keeping things i mean there's opportunities there too so the purge kind of, oh my god let's do the purge i love the purge 
The Purge had it like this had this season. I feel like had touches of the Purge a, a little, little bit, bit when yeah. you have like the election like election element and you have the masks and stuff. So. Oh my God, we've been going for an hour thirty eight minutes. Holy cow. Yeah, this is a long, work, but I, it, it's about time for us to, yeah. to sign off, folks. Sorry. But um, thanks for joining us all season. We really, really appreciate it. This is something we just do for fun, and the fact that y'all listen and uh, you know interact with us, it, it makes it you know a community that's even more enjoyable, enjoyable to be a part of. Uh, in the off season, we do want to do some more fun things, so stay connected with us that way um, on Facebook, on Gmail. And, of course, uh, rate us and review us on iTunes. Uh, Chris, anything else? Or do you want to go ahead and tell people where they can find you between uh, now and when we next upload? Yeah, we'll miss y'all. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm active on both of those. At Chris Husted, Chris with a K. What about you, Tyler? You can find me on Twitter at TJMoss11. And uh, I'm sure it won't be too long before we're talking to you in the near future. Bye. Happy, happy hauntings. Until then.